when the attack comes, and it will come personal. Joe Biden needs to say, deflect it with, look, I can say a lot about your family, you can say whatever you want about my family, but that has nothing to do with the American family. And, and Chris, we're here to talk about their family and their future. Yeah, that'd be good. It'd be a good line. That would be a good line. Unless he, you know, scrambles it up and gets stuck midway through and says, come on, man, think about it. Pulls out his rusty straight edge. <laughs> exactly. He bangs starts- it on the barrel. I assume he's going to have a, a bot- water barrel there with him. Sure, yeah, unless he's pre-bent his blade, got it rusty <laughs> on the curb. Lads, those days, you used to remember the straight razor, you'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a the rain barrel, get them rusty. I know this, and then is, if somebody refused to play the Venezuelan record player, you'd slash them. I know, I know this won't happen, but if he did at some point say, "You remind me of Corn Pop," I, I ever tell you all about the story about Corn Pop, oh, and then just oh launched boy. in the whole story. That, that would be Corn happy, Pop was a bad dude. That would be the happiest day of my life. <laughs> I hope that's with, his closing statement. With apologies to the births of my children and my wedding day. His closing statement is the corn pop story. <laughs> Donald Trump reminds me of a person, and that person is corn pop. Now, corn pop was a bad dude. Donald Trump and corn pop are bad dudes. I said, hey, Esther. And I said, hey, Esther. Oh, boy. that's uh, It's unlikely. Where's my apology chain? But Joe, I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Joe has got the strategy. I think that would work, but it would take something as uh, as big as... Challenging him to a a, a, a a urine test to see if he's on dementia drugs. Pardon me, folks. I apologize in advance, but an actual pissing contest. Joe Biden has been consistently between seven and nine points ahead, and he still is today with 35 days to go. At this point in 2016, Hillary was only up 2.6. The That's battleground states also look discouraging. Oh yeah, and not not as close in the battleground states. Now, I mean, because so for those, yeah, last time they said this, yeah, it it was it would have to be more off than last time. Well, and they've changed a lot of the polling practices because of the problems last time, right? And what I'm about to tell you here, which is even a bigger part, uh, I think most importantly, Biden is consistently hitting fifty percent in the polls. Clinton was leading Trump at this point. Remember, not by as much, but she was at 43 to his 41. She never got up to 50 because too many people hated her. Uh, A historically large proportion of Americans remained undecided into October of 2016, leaving Clinton particularly vulnerable to late-breaking news like FBI Director James Comey's letter to Congress or people just saying, ah, screw it, I'm going to take a flyer on Trump. There's a bunch of people that just, you know, we all know they were the two least popular candidates by polling in modern history. Mm -hmm. Biden's regularly over 50. After four years of the Trump presidency, few remain genuinely undecided about him. Most people have an opinion one way or another. Just 2% of voters in a recent Monmouth University poll and 1% in the ABC Washington Post poll were undecided. You're kidding. I said you're kidding me. So somewhere between 1% and 2% of people... (laughs) are undecided. That may be the most shocking number I've heard. Bring them to me. I want to talk to these undecided. As opposed to <laughs> a, an historically high number of undecideds last time around. That's the ball game right there. That's the, huh. that's what's different here. That's that, a that huge number, that, that's, a, that's an outlier. <laughs> that, you're spouting crap. Two different, it, it took me a minute. Two I was going through my memory banks. Two different polls with the same number? Yeah, they're in coats. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Who do you know? Fake who, news. Who do you know is undecided? Uh, I don't know. 
I forgot his name. Uh, Jimmy Jim Jim uh, Apocalypse. As it, as it old says, Waffling Jimmy, we call him. Yeah, yeah, old Jimmy can't decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Jimmy, what do you want tonight? Pizza, burritos? Uh, I don't know. Well, I could go either way. According to the dispatch, voters can, of course, still change their minds in this last 35 days, but switching from Biden to Trump at this point in the race is a much bigger leap than an undecided voter saying, yeah, I'll go ahead and try Trump. I need to lay out my theory again. Do you mind hearing my theory again? I can't I remember when I first laid it out. Well, I'm glad you're going to lay it out okay. because the point is, and I know in the modern world, you're not supposed to say anything negative about your side. I want Trump to win. If if there's anything I could do to make him win, I would I would do it. Media bias. He's going to lose unless something oh. drastic changes. He is going to lose. It's not even really that close. Are you willing to ingest a motor vehicle if you're wrong? <laughs> <laughs> a reference for new listeners to the fact that Jack said he'd eat his truck if Trump was the nominee. Right. Uh, which is obviously a popular expression and was not meant as a literal wager. So stop writing us emails about it. Yes, soft heads. Um, but so with all the numbers that you just heard, so few undecideds, the solid lead um, that Biden has got. A huge something huge has to happen to change the trajectory of this race. Yeah. Not just, you know, minor nibbling around this and that ain't going to make a difference. Well, I have a, uh, a two-part theory. Well, it's a theory and a strategy. In, in, in life, whether it's a job or a lover or a place you might want to live, you have the cold, often complicated reality of your, your current situation, and then you have a, an at least partially imaginary option. That cute gal in the office, cute guy, whatever, the, uh, you've heard uh, Idaho's great, or you know, a lot of people moving out of Cal Unicornia to other states, for instance, or uh, you know, over at Jones Brothers, uh, I think that job would be a lot better suited for me. And a smart and disciplined person keeps in mind that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, um, which is unquestionably true. It has to do with the angles, Jack, the angles. Biden is the grass on the other side of the fence. Biden is the cute woman in the office. Biden is your imagined life in that that place you vacationed once for a week. Oh, your ex-boyfriend you saw on Facebook is uh, single now? Yeah. You got a divorce. Well, I'll be darned. You know, that is a pretty apt example because sometimes your ex-boyfriend you broke up with for some pretty good reasons, but you just remember the good times and think, well, surely he's matured or whatever. And, and Biden has his flaws and was rejected soundly by the country over and over again. But having said that, Biden being the greener grass on the other side of the fence right now, Trump's job is to get people over the fence and looking down on the grass. As an owner of grass, I will tell you, every lawn looks good from an angle. If you actually walk across it, you see all the weeds and the holes. So Trump has got to make it clear Biden's not some imaginary better girlfriend. He's a specific dude with specific flaws, etc. And and he will hit on policy stuff. He'll hit on the Green New Deal. He'll hit on the uh, overspending, although there's just not that big a constituency for nope. fiscal uh, responsibility. Nope. But he needs to. 
hit on Biden's number one weakness. And a lot of people have been soft peddling this because they're kind and decent humans. And they understand that that some of the ravages of aging, dementia in particular, are tragic. They're tragic. They're sad. They're heartbreaking. Everybody fears it. Everybody fears it for their parents and grandparents. Nobody past the age of 25 even wants to joke about it. Having said that, there's pretty compelling evidence that Joe Biden, who's always been a very bright guy, is really suffering from the ravages of age. And Trump needs to go after that directly in a classy way, if he can possibly muster that up, and call Biden out. Joe, you've had a long career of service to the country. I think you've gotten a lot of things wrong. But I think you're a nice fella. I also think you're suffering from the early stages of dementia. And I think you owe it to the American people. The crowd would already be going, ooh. Right, right. Well, you let them ooh. And then you say, I think you owe it to the American people to take a cognitive test, take a drug test to prove that you're not being treated for dementia. And that's when you pull out your two beakers that you have in the podium. Oh, boy. Well, you hand one to Joe. You turn yeah. around and unzip. You turn around with your filled beaker and say, oh, Joe, that's, uh, we'll send these off to the lab. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I hope I'm wrong because you're a nice guy. Well, we'd certainly have a highlight to play in the morning. <laughs> Did you guys hear the uh, the Biden campaign spokesperson response to the drug test thing? Kind of the, the official response. I have to not it. heard that. Uh, Vice President Biden intends to deliver his debate answers in words. If the president thinks his best case can be made in urine, he can have at it. Wow. A battle of urine. That's nice, but it's a dodge yeah. and easily handled. Um, that what, what was the question that uh, Biden's campaign guy wouldn't answer? Brent does Bear? Joe Biden use a teleprompter? To answer questions for constituents or with the media. And he wouldn't answer the question. No. No, that's a that's a Republican talking point. Right. We're not going to have the Trump campaign filter questions through Fox News. It's clear. It's utterly clear that at least on occasion, Biden uses a teleprompter for give and takes with either citizens or the media. Which is really amazing. That is it's really amazing. amazing. Yeah, everybody uses them for speeches. Everybody. Trump uses yeah. them. Yeah. And and honestly, if you don't, you're a fool. Anytime, you have your notes up there. When people say that, like Trump's campaign spokesman did, you're trying to conflate two different things to to obfuscate. Right. You, yeah, we know. He, yeah, yeah. Trump and Obama both used teleprompters to give speeches. We're talking about when you're asked a question by someone. Right. That are ostensibly extemporaneous exchanges, and they're topics Move that it up. your candidate, and they're topics that your candidate his whole life has been able to speak on just fine. See, that's the thing. Even if Biden's a bit of a BSer and uh, and a and a gaff machine and the rest of it, if you asked him, well, what was the one that the the nice uh, Asian college gal asked him? That was one of the famous teleprompter examples. It was something to the effect of, um why would I think there'd be a better future? I mean, it was a pre-planned question that had been fed to her, or she'd submitted in advance. And the answer was an absolute one-foot putt for a politician as capable as Biden. And he doesn't even handle that well. No. And he says, move it up. 
Move it up. So I, we, I don't know if we have that tape available. We've played it a bunch of times. Do we have the move it up? And then you start, you just silence, move, move it it's up. It's a one-foot putt answer for somebody who's as politi- politically gifted as I am, let alone a career politician. Yeah, and what's troubling about it is once they do move up the teleprompter so he can read the answer, the answer is absolutely stock political talk. It's stump speech stuff. It's stuff Biden has said a thousand times. And I would like to know, what will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Thank you. Move it up here. You know, there used to be a basic bargain in this country. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's not good. No. At least no. he was high energy. <laughs> oh, boy. And I take no glee in this for the reasons I mentioned earlier. But I, I don't think there's much doubt at all that Biden has a serious set of cognitive issues. That comes out tonight, everything changes. Books will be written about this. Yes. Eventually. Yeah. Might might be 25 years before you hear it, if he, especially if he's elected president. Well, but, and what if that happens? What if that bomb goes off tonight? I have a couple of speculative uh, answers to that question. How the Biden campaign handles it. Okay. They're really going out on a limb. Okay. I mean, way out. What do you think? Text line, four, that's on the way. And text line, we'd like to hear from you, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Left. He looks right, sprints right. Now he'll keep the ball and trot into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. A three-yard touchdown run by Mahomes. A 75-yard touchdown drive against this vaunted Raven defense. Nah, can't stop the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is not overrated. <laughs> so amazing. Oof. <laughs> Back to the debate stuff in a minute or two, but uh, among my bold predictions this year, where the NFL will not make it through week three. I was just about to announce, nah, I'm wrong. (laughs) They're doing fine. The Tennessee Titans have closed their facilities until Saturday after three players and five team personnel tested positive for the vid. The NFL announced today uh, eight new tests uh, confirmed. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, I thought I heard the Vikings did have some the NFL, oh, they're taking the safe approach by shutting down the Vikings facility because the Vikings just played the Titans, I guess. Um, Worth pointing out that uh, baseball playoffs start tomorrow. And they're in the bubble. The and bubbled up. Remember, that season started with a couple of teams hitting, getting COVID and, man, losing an entire week, and everybody thought, uh-oh, this will never last. No, kind of went away, finished the season, made it work. So. Yeah, yeah, they did. There are a few hang-ups, but nothing they couldn't work out with a bunch of seven-inning game double-headers. As if it's high school ball. This is semi-breaking news, I guess? The Trump campaign, back to the debate, the Trump campaign requests third-party inspector to check for electronic devices in candidates' ears. Wow. What are you laughing at over there? (laughs) Yeah, that's something. And I'm well, I'm, he can't. He, as we just played the, the teleprompter thing from earlier, he couldn't pull that off. If, he's not going to, but even if he was going to, he couldn't pull it off. He'd be out there. Oh, what? Turn it up. No, no, no. Rewind. Say it. that again. I can't hear you. <laughs> so I'm looking at, uh, I'm scrolling, scrolling through headlines. 
Uh, Harris rips Trump, walks off stage, critics accuse her of avoiding scrutiny. Which brings me back to, if there is the big senior moment crack up tonight, and I'm calling it 50-50 likely, although Biden has a medical team that's, I mean, he probably has a team of doctors working yeah. around the clock. Hired they give him a big fat shot in the ass and... He hired Lance Armstrong's old crew. <laughs> He's got chemists and doctors and physical therapists. They're flying and... him to Italy tonight to get a full blood transfusion. <laughs> Neurologist, whatever. But if he has the crack-up moment, where do they go? Does he come out and say, listen, given the proper medication, I'm perfectly fine. We need to get Donald Trump out of the White House. At the very moment, the first day... As long I, as China doesn't attack while my pills are starting to wear off, we'd be fine. <laughs> you can respond in a minute. <laughs> he says, the minute, the day I and my cabinet feel I can't execute the, off, uh, the, the duties of the office of the president, I will resign. My vice president will take over. Wow, that's which, pretty good. Which brings us, and they might, it's conceivable, if there is that senior crack up, even with a big shot Adderall in the high hand, it could happen. Then the scrutiny turns full bore on Kamala Harris, who cannot handle it. She would not stand up to that scrutiny. She's not nearly sharp enough. She's not nearly appealing enough. This is a woman who couldn't even get to the Iowa vote, much less past it. I'm telling you. Ah, man. I think he'd weather that storm. I think think our needles are so stuck. People Mm -hmm. say, Mm. That'd be exciting, though. Mm-mm. I wonder if they have a, a, a plan for that. Mm-hmm. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I got started out of an HBCU, Delaware State. Now, I don't want to hear anything negative about Delaware State here, okay? They're, they're, they're my folks. He got started out of a historically black college or university, Delaware State. So I don't want to hear anything. Nobody can figure out what the hell he's talking about. He never attended there. He appears to have been on campus a couple of times, but as like a commencement speaker fairly recently. And they gave him a, yeah, they gave him an honorary doctorate or something like that. But yeah. yeah. And the, Which the, you do to your, your speaker. And the college put out a uh, statement saying he never attended here because it was a little confusing from what he said there. Yeah, and I'm reading like uh, Jonathan Turley um, is trying to figure out what the heck he means. And he goes through his campaigns and his. The rest of it, and he says nobody can figure out what in the world he meant. I think Joe Biden was so so much of a backslapper and a coffee shop stopper and a you know a entertainer of people along the campaign trail in the era when there wasn't that much scrutiny. I think he just got really used to making crap up, credentials or whatever. Oh, speaking of college, we mentioned this a day or two ago that the University of California system has issued all sorts of apologies and stern statements about. Um, various uh, kids admitted to UCLA, UC Santa Barbara, University of California, San Diego, of fake athletes because the the system did an uh, on an audit. This is the stuff straight not, out. Not of, like like bowlers are fake athletes. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Uh, uh, we're talking photoshopping okay. your head, your kid's head on a pole vaulter, and and we reported on the numbers faithfully and the rest of it. And and to my uh, 
to my shame and disappointment, I mentioned the 22 incidents that the auditors had cited over the last few years of, of uh, like, uh, Diane Feinstein's uh, powerful husband wrote a letter, hey, let uh, Joe Smith's son in. And, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Uh, his name's not Feinstein, actually. It's uh, I can't remember. But they, yes, sir. We we'll let him in, sir. Mr. Burns. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> um, but listen to this, would you? The audit cites the 22 incidents that had definitive evidence, but suspects that there might have been hundreds of others at the four schools. Wow. Noting that it only examined a few teams per campus. I guess the fake sailor, the fake pole vaulter, the fake crew member... Um, that's, that's the way you get these kids in. It only examined a few teams per campus and found more than 400 athletes who did not appear on rosters ever after admission. At no point were they ever on the sailing roster. The, I have the same question I had when this thing first started. How many of these kids knew that? And have lived with that their whole lives. And how many didn't, never knew that their parents got him in that way? I don't know the mechanics of it well enough to know whether, hey, Johnny, listen, if anybody brings up crew to you, tell them you got tendonitis in your elbow. What weird things does that do to your psyche? Judging by the uh, large amount of unearned confidence that I would say a lot of my peers have, I think they don't know it. Well, they got a trophy just for showing up, Sean. They're the champion of showing up. I I couldn't be at this university if I didn't deserve it. But if you do know it, then you've got a different twisted view of, yeah, I come from a rich, powerful family, and the rules don't apply to us. We get to do whatever we want, is your view of the world. My only counter to that, and it might be enough to save somebody's ego, is and this is true because there's so much government money in college and and everybody's been convinced at every corner of the culture that the only way to have a future is to attend college, right? Mike Rowe talks about this all the time. Is that for every slot in a university, there are 1.4 to 3.7 deserving kids for that slot. I mean, it's just it's it's insanely competitive. That's where the real crime is in your mind, then, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It's a, mean, there, you, there are people that deserve to be there that make America better because they've worked so hard mm-hmm. and have the brain power to get there, and they don't get to go there, correct? Because you got your fake pole vaulter kid in, well, also, so that you could brag to your friends in the cul-de-sac about the fact that your kid's going to Georgetown or wherever. Right, that's true. But as the fake pole vaulting kid, at least some of those kids probably could have gotten in, maybe. But they weren't going to. They're, you know, you threw a birthday party, you invited 15 people, you got 10 cupcakes. And they thought, you know, I'm smart, I had good grades, I got good uh, averages, it's just brutally competitive these days, it's impossible to get into these schools, so my mom wrote a check, and I got in. But a lot of these kids are more or less qualified, so that's probably how they'd save their ego. I mean, it's not like they're drooling morons in most cases. In most cases. I have met so many people that went to big-time universities that, well, I got one perfect example, um, but I, I, won't know. Me- I won't mention her. Um, yeah. But and, and I thought from the first time I'm meeting him, I'm like, wow, you went to Oxford? Because you just don't. You don't seem that bright to me. <laughs> not, not only are you not way smarter than most people, you don't even seem like you're average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Among like business people. Yeah. Well, now so, I know why. Anyway, I was just I was playing around with the idea of how people might save their egos and get through life. But back to the original point. Yeah. If the auditor suspects there are many hundreds of these cases, 
that's why your kid didn't get into UC Berkeley or UC uh, San Diego or whatever. And and I've mentioned this before. I've known of some high school students who were almost mind-bogglingly well-qualified for the state universities in the state in which they live and were told, nah, we can't take you. Uh, I'm the valedictorian, extracurriculars, sports, uh, sparkling character. I'm charming. And I can't get into your college at all? Well, you listed the wrong criteria. Right. Rich dad. My dad donated this much money to the school. That's one of the other things, uh, parts of the article I didn't get into. Many of these applications were sent to the Department of Development, which is the Department of Fundraising. Development is a word that means getting money. And uh, the Department of Development then reached out to a dean and said, eh, it's a... This is a fine young man whose uh, father plays golf with Diane Feinstein's husband. Uh, any chance we could uh, take another look at the application? Hmm? And they get in. The reason you should care about this is not just that's not fair. Uh, in theory, the reason our system of social mobility and freedom allowed us to be the most powerful country in the world is we utilize our talent in the way you can't in other countries. There could be a Steve Jobs in China, but if he lives in the wrong part of the country and is not in the Communist Party, they'll never know it because they, there's just no way to tap into that knowledge. Right. And we're doing that too much here now. Yeah. Where the, 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 the kid that could really contribute something to science, mathematics, literature, whatever, doesn't get into the school where they'd meet the right professor because that slot was filled by a fake rower because their parents were rich. Putting aside the fact that we need to stop worshipping the so-called elite universities, please. The thing I hate about Marxism is that it acts as if all hierarchies are bad, all meritocracy is bad. And one of the best things I've heard Jordan Peterson say um, is that We absolutely need hierarchies. We need excellence. We need meritocracies. We desperately need that. That's why socialism is so ugly and doomed and evil. He said, but we absolutely need, usually people on the left, to make sure that the entry to those hierarchies is fair and that the people toward the top of the hierarchies don't fix the bottom to prevent entry. And I think he's 100% sure. right on that. Sure. This is a great example of the powerful fixing the entry point, fixing the entry point rules in their favor, and it's wrong. It's and, evil uni- for the reasons you mentioned. But, but, but universities, the, the, the most lecturing us about fairness institution in America oh, yeah. are the ones that are doing this. How galling is that? Yeah, I know it. You're the ones that hate this sort of thing. Well, you're the ones that are allegedly. making up all this crap about pronouns and all this and everything ought to be unfair, and you're letting the rich kid in and not the deserving kid. Get the hell out of here. Unanimous letters from deans saying the students aren't allowed to disagree with us because we're so clearly right. You're so self-righteous, and yet you're so corrupt. And no wonder the um, getting into the right university is so important, where you went to school is so important, is perpetuated. Because if you're a parent who spent $50,000 to get your kid into school and hired somebody for another $30,000 to get a fake picture and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you've got to be out there cre- you know, recreating the myth that where they went to school is so important. Right. Because you have so much invested literally in it. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Your whole ego and everything is tied up into it and a lot of money. So, yeah, you've got to make a big deal out of it. And if I'm the golf coach, at, well, I don't want to say, cite a school because that would sound like I'm accusing that, that person. But if I'm the golf coach and every every year I let in a couple of chops who don't know which end of the club to hold, 
uh, for you know a, a few grand around the edges. Uh, I'm not going to say, oh no no no, son, you should go to st- state or you should go to uh, this uh, small college. No, I'm going to say, oh yeah, the elite university is the only way you're going to be. Sure, I'm going to pump up the demand myself. God, it's so ugly. And it is. It's and not bloated. It's and, not ugh. good on so many different levels. So many different levels. Boy, of all the things we need to tear down and restart, it's America's university systems. And I don't mean literally tear down the building. Some of them be useful for, I don't know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings or uh, <laughs> make them into uh, racquetball courts. Something, I don't know. How many people plan to watch the debate tonight? Numbers are in. Yes. It sound about right. It's going to be huge. I, I want to hear that number. Inform- watch me. Of this room and it's 100%. Yeah. It's as if the moon land. It's as if the moon landing was the Super Bowl landing right. on the moon. Right. That's what it's going to be. Exactly. <laughs> Among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I mean, if there was a performance-enhancing drug that makes someone better at being president, I want the president taking that drug. Wouldn't you? In fact, everyone in government should take that drug. Wouldn't it be great if every person at the DMV was operating at Obama level? Actually, I take that back. Obama at the DMV would be a nightmare. By the time you get your license, it's already time to get it renewed. (laughs) The form you wanted to fill out was actually, uh... If I'm perfectly honest with you, I'm actually surprised that in America, of all the people who are forced to take drug tests, the president isn't one of them. Because if you got to take a drug test to be a cashier at TJ Maxx, (laughs) you should damn well have to do it before you get the code to the nukes. Oh, boy. Raising their prices on prescription drugs. (laughs) Uh, So, according to a poll, three quarters of uh, registered voters plan to tune in to the election tonight, which would be an insane number. Three quarters of registered voters? Wow. Like 100 million people? What's that going to be? Yeah, I'd have to know the base figure, but I'll bet that's not far off. However, that same poll says only 3% feel they're likely to hear anything that'll change their minds. Okay. (laughs) So Everybody's just tuning in to... Watch their guy crush the other guy, I guess. Anyway, more on that next hour. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm i a fan of the 49ers of San Francisco. I watched them play the Giants, and uh, I did not expect to become a Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> I see what during, you mean, yeah. During the game, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you remember <laughs> the program we told you about in the spring? San Francisco, the city of San Francisco, was going to move a bunch of homeless folks into hotels. Yeah. At an enormous cost. And we told you that's unrealistic. It's overly expensive. It's it's just it's it's not going to work. For the drug addicts and drunks, it's certainly not going to help them get their acts together. No, but it'll help them stay drug addicts and drunks. Well, San Francisco's program uh is going to end soon. They're moving the the folks out of the hotels. Some might get housing, but others are going to tent cities. Uh monthly costs are topping eighteen million dollars. Allegedly, the federal government is expected to pay for three-quarters of it, but it's not clear when or how exactly. On Friday, Abigail Stewart-Kahn, interim director of the Homeless Services Department, said people will gradually start transitioning out of hotel rooms immediately. 
and some hotels will stop accepting new guests in a few weeks. She said all the hotel residents will move to other places by June of next year, while some may end up in permanent supportive housing, very few. Others might go to temporary shelter beds or sanctioned tent encampments. Listen to this. The program began in April in response to the, the vid. The goal is to move everyone into housing, the department said. Yeah, my goal is to become the king of Liechtenstein, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. The exact path toward a permanent home is unclear for many of the 2,400 hotel residents, and the next steps in San Francisco's tight housing market for each person are expected to vary. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. At about $260 per night per room... The city is spending nearly $8,000 per person per month, which is more than twice the median rent of a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. So for every junkie lounging on a king-sized bed off at Union Square, they're paying $8,000 per month when they could just rent them an apartment for half of that. That's incredible. Yeah, but then you got to prove your income, and there's a lot more paperwork. <laughs> I think the city can prove its income. <laughs> and so they are going to move those people into shelters or tent cities or whatever. And, and they said, well, we just can't keep doing this forever. And, you know, in, in the defense of many, many people, the vid has lasted a lot longer than anybody anticipated. But um, so look for uh, 2,400 or so bums and junkies to be out on the street. On a street corner near you. That's unbelievable. And or mentally ill people who really need to get some help. And we don't do a good enough job on that. But, yeah, it is $8,000 per person per month. Taxpayer money. It's not their money. What do they care? Thanks for taking my money. Plus, the the local folks, the city folks, keep saying, well, the feds are going to pay it eventually. I think FEMA's going to pay it. Yeah, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I sure like that in some cases, but not enough. Even the people that are, you know, all about helping the homeless all the time uh, are starting to care about this. In some cases, like I said, not enough, where they're saying, look, we should be able to help a lot more people than this for the amount of money that's being spent. Right. Because usually only the only pressure comes from the taxpayer side, the right side. If we're going to throw around unimaginable amounts of money, let's at least get the most out of it. Sure. Oh, one of the other uh, programs that San Francisco is going to do, it's one of our favorites, is... uh, uh, look, uh, you can get a bus ticket anywhere you want. Do you ever want to go to, I don't know, Albuquerque, uh, Vegas, uh, I don't know, Dallas, uh, anywhere. You name it. I'll give you a bus ticket. <laughs> so they're just yeah. shipping the bums out. I'm for that. I'm absolutely for that. I like the state the, bum wars. But but, but they just, can ship them back as fast as we can ship them out. No. Just catapulting the homeless from state to state. <laughs> exactly. No way. There's there's like a, a cop in, a, in, in the mayor of Albuquerque. You got the sash on and everything right there at the Greyhound station. Look, here's a ham sandwich. Here's a ticket back to San Francisco. It'd be way cheaper Ow. than that however many dollars per month per room or whatever. Bus fare, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, the iPhone with some headphones and then and there's a little music. And Can I get some of the uh, cordless pods? <laughs> all right, all Whatever right. Takes. I like the state bum wars. I'm willing to engage in those. I think we can outspend other states. Listen, if there's an extra hundred in it, I'll, uh, I'll go all the way to Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man is right. Oh, these are troubled times, Jack. I don't know if you've noticed it. Um, so this is kind of an interesting story. According to Bob Woodward's uh, book, which 
came and went, and everybody focused on a tiny bit of Trump stuff. And as always, nobody pays any attention to any of the other really interesting things that are usually in there. Um, uh, Mad Dog Mattis was really afraid that we were going to end up at war with North Korea there in the early going. In the first year of the Trump presidency, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis slept in his gym clothes to save critical minutes in the event that he was awakened to the news of an incoming missile from North Korea. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Trump had delegated Mattis the authority to shoot down any missile that threatened the United States. Again, I assume he's got that authority anyway. Um, But it would be up to Trump to decide whether to retaliate with nuclear weapons. And remember, they had the whole locked and loaded and fire and fury and my button's bigger than your button stuff way back then. Oh, yeah, good times. As tensions steadily rose over the spring and summer and into the fall and winter of 2017, Mattis lived on permanent alert, according to the Bob Woodward book, Rage. That's the way I live, Jack. Permanent it, alert. It was a nonstop crucible, personal and hellish. There were no holidays or weekends off, no dead time, Woodward writes. Mattis's thoughts, which likely could have only come from Mattis himself, reveal the battle-hardened Marine commander was burdened by the possibility that the escalating test of wills might result in the unthinkable, the use of nuclear weapons. This next quote is interesting. What do you do if you've got to do it, Mattis asked himself, according to Woodward. You're going to incinerate a couple million people. No person has the right to kill a million people as far as I'm concerned, yet that's what I have to confront. Mad Dog Mattis was a... No human being has the right to do this as a defense guy. We should, shouldn't we know that? Uh, have that conversation. Man, I'd like to know more about that quote. Uh, I mean, first strike or retaliation or what? Uh, it matters. But it didn't happen. That's, that's the point. We're getting along famously <laughs> with Little Fathead now. Armstrong and Getty.